0: Hello, hello, hello folks. Welcome to your Monday Mindset Meeting. I am Christopher Lawrence and I am filling in for Kyle Kalu this morning as he is dealing with some family matters down in Toronto. It is so nice to see all of you here today. And because I'm filling in for Kyle, I promise you that we're going to have way more fun than you ever did before. (laughs) And I've got Jenna Kirk here with me. So let me introduce our host and our co-host here. And while I'm doing that, I want you to, in the chat box, I want you to tell us where you're from, what kind of business you're in, if you're in a business or what kind of work you're in. And while you're doing that, I will introduce Jenna. So Jenna has experience advising on a wide range of employment related matters, including employment contracts, workplace policies and procedures, wrongful dismissal claims, discrimination, the duty to accommodate, discipline and termination. She has successfully helped employers and employees understand their legal rights and responsibilities under provincial employment standards and human rights legislation. Through the COVID-19 pandemic, Jenna has helped companies navigate the multitude of government assistance programs, prepare return to work frameworks, as well as assist companies to adjust to a virtual workplace, including all of the legal ramifications of this new reality. Today, she will be talking with us about employment law during COVID-19. Welcome, Jenna. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Christopher.
0: It's wonderful to have you here on our Monday Mindset. So um, uh, Jenna is uh, a very, very fiery lawyer, and I mean that in the most <laughs> complimentary way. And I know that because I refer to Jenna often in my practice. So if I, if there's anything that comes up re- related to labor law, Jenna is my number one go-to. So, Jenna, wow, COVID-19
1: <laughs>
0: kids. And all of a sudden they start changing labor laws. Yeah. Way. So can you tell us, can you give us just a little bit of a high level about kind of where, what happened and where
1: we landed? <laughs> um, what happened is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the world gave up. <laughs> Everything changed. Um. Yeah, I started, I learned to hate the term, like, unprecedented. These are unprecedented times. Like, yeah, we get it by now. Um, So, yeah, we moved into a new reality, a new type of workforce. Most people were sent to work from home, if possible, and... Um, everybody had to adapt very quickly, and so changes needed to be made and I think governments reacted as quickly as they could in a lot of cases and so we did see quite a few changes, not just in Alberta but across the country with regards to employment standards, codes, different legislations and regulations coming into play.
0: What was the first thing that they changed Jen i 'm curious
1: because I know that they were moving so
0: fast. What was the first thing that they changed
1: um, so one of the first things that uh, was changed was with regards to temporary layoffs. So I know that right near the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people were trying to figure out what to do with their employees. It's funny because working in employment law, I'm typically used to the point at which employer and employee start to disagree. And so this is actually one of the first times in my career where I've actually seen employers say, okay, well, what do I do for my employees? Like what, what can we do for them? Because you know, they have families, they have responsibilities, they have bills to pay and stuff like that. So you really did start to see that, you know, what can we do to work together? And on the employee front, employees were much more understanding as well. You know, we get that we don't have full hours or, you know, we get that this has to be a layoff. And so there was a lot of understanding between the two there, which is not something we know, like as an employment lawyer, we normally get to see. So it actually was quite nice from that perspective. Um, People were trying to do whatever they could to keep their employees employed. And where there wasn't work, where employees weren't able to actually physically go into the office, you know, some employers still kept employees on payroll and gave them other things to do. I know there were some big stories from out east about employers who were having their employees who normally, you know, had desk jobs Just go to the grocery store if they're healthy enough to do so and and drop off groceries to individuals and that's what they're now paying their employees to do like people who were isolated or shut in or couldn't come out because of health concerns they're dropping off groceries and things like that to them so there are a lot of you know heartwarming stories that came out of it lots of goodwill yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so they changed the the the
0: layoff laws is what you were saying yeah and then, and then what happened after that? Because obviously this is still evolving even today.
1: What's happened since that time? So I think one of the other big things that came into play quite early on that affected employers was the government started looking at what programs they could put into place to subsidize or help out or, or allow a lot more employers to actually continue running their businesses. And so one of the first programs they introduced was the temporary wage subsidy, which allowed for a little bit of money per employee, Um, but that came in the form of a reduction of your EI and CPP contributions. It wasn't actually money being funneled into the company. It was actually just a reduction of what you had to pay. And then, of course, the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy came in um, in April, and it was backdated to March 15th. So that was one of the big programs that we started assisting employers with. And so, you know, it was, uh, actually passed into legislation on a Saturday. Government got together on a Saturday and decided on the legislation and pushed it through. And, and, you know, then they announced that they'd be taking some time off for the Easter long weekend, which was great for them. But, uh, for us, it meant that the Easter long weekend was spent reviewing this new legislation that had been passed fairly quickly and trying to decipher it and, uh, and you know, contact our clients and help them through what it, all, what it all meant. And that was a work in progress. There was a lot of changes that came and continuation of changes on the websites and things like that where they're running into issues that they didn't anticipate. And so they have to kind of come up with some solutions and be creative in certain ways. But that was another one of the big next steps. and so we went through the immediate layoffs and then the we call it SUSE the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy came into place and one of the things that they did was they said well if you don't lay off your employees if you just put them on a leave with pay then we will give you the subsidy for those employees and so then we did you know recalls of employees to put them back on that that leave with pay and you know some of them still weren't actually doing any work and or in the office and things like that so since probably about july we've started to see some people return to office and so we've been doing a lot of work with employers on what that looks like um within kpmg we've come up with like a set guidelines of things that we will look for so in addition to doing employment a lot of people think that's like you know, litigation and terminations and stuff like that. I also do occupational health and safety and privacy and some of those other more niche areas of employment law as well. And so we look into, okay, so some of your workforce is still working at home. So what under privacy legislation do you have to be aware of? What are your requirements um, from that perspective or under occupational health and safety? What are you required to do? What happens if when your workers gets injured at home, and what do you do in that situation? So, so what does happen in that situation? That's interesting, right? <laughs> oh, my favorite thing as a lawyer—it depends. World, right? And so <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. yeah, it depends. Okay, so it depends. And give so, so much, much of this—give me some examples. <laughs> so much of this is like case specific, but um, but yeah, like does your employee have a set workspace where they're designated, and that's where they work during the daytime? Or, you know, are they sitting at their kitchen counter? A lot of the people that I talked to at the beginning of COVID didn't have an office space at home. Some still don't. I worked from my bed for a lot of it. Like I would get up in the morning, make my bed and sit on top of it and work from there because I didn't have a workspace. Um, You know, and you think of like the ergonomics of that and the potential um, like long-term injuries and stuff like that from those situations. So you want to make sure that your employees feel supported and that they have what they need. At the same time you don't want to break the bank and buy everybody a home office so there's a lot of give and take in there but um is there you any want
0: specificities at- on who is responsible for ergonomics in this case like i think about that because so many workplace injuries are like repetitive strain injuries that come from you know incorrect posture or you know mousing or whatever and of course if you're working from a bed or your kitchen counter you don't have your 90 degree angles in ergonomics right so so, so is there any legislation on that? You know, pre-COVID or now?
1: Um, under occupational health and safety, there is the requirement for employers to provide a safe workplace, and there is the requirement on employees to participate in that. And so, you know, I've worked with employers that have done everything from like a walkthrough of their employees' home. Um, And that's like virtual walkthrough of their employees home to see what else can be done to, you know, employees understanding that the employer is there to support them. So if there are ergonomic needs, if there are things like that, then they can request them. And there's a process to be able to either be assessed or approved for different, um, you know, different workplace setups and things like that. So um, it, you know, also falls under like the duty to accommodate where if somebody does require something different, Um, you have to go through that and that process and see what you can do to support your employees. So, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Jenna, I'm here. I'm really curious because I know lots of people have been like, everything moved so fast during this. Hey, it was just like, it's like, Hey guys, it's like March 15th. Your entire (laughs) life is different now. Welcome to 2020. We gave you two and a half months to get yourself sorted out for the (laughs) new year. And then, you know, it's like the universe decided to blow up. <clears throat> yeah. And so, and so I'm curious, like, obviously there were some, you know, there, there were probably some mistakes made along the way. I'm really curious about like, like there's still, I know there's still some people waiting for like understanding of severances. There's still some, you know, companies kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Like, it seems like there's a lot of waiting, you know, happening. And so I'm curious, like, what is it that, an employer needs to know and subsequently what is it that an employee needs to know? Like, what are your rights as an employer? What do you need to be aware of? How do you need to be responding? You know, and then the same thing as an employee.
1: I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of leeway right now because everybody is still trying to figure out what to do. Like, for the most part, I think employers are still looking to do what's best for their employees, um, providing a lot of flexibility with regards to a lot of the terms and conditions of employment right now. Um, one of the things that I always recommend to employers right now, though, is, you know, if you've gone through some major changes, if you've got people now working from home who weren't previously working from home, if there are other terms of the employment that if, of their employment that's changed um particularly we've been assisting employers with you know maybe repurposing some individuals in different roles or combining roles and making roles slightly different so it worked better from the different environment that we're now in um if you're doing stuff like that and making those changes to make sure that you're taking a look at the employment contracts that you have your policies that you have in place not a lot of organizations have a work from home policy in place mm-hmm. whether that's you know a temporary work from home policy or a more permanent work from home policy. Those are some of the things we've been drafting a lot of because, you know, we're coming into flu season and under um, the uh, Calgary Board of Education, if you have kids and your kids have the sniffles or if they have a sore throat or a runny nose or a cough, your kid can't go to school. Right. So what do you do as an employee and as a parent in that situation because anyone with kids would know that when you get into that <laughs> environment kids are going to come home sick that's just a reality that's going to happen they can wear masks all they want but the kids are going to come home sick or get sick at some point and so employers have to be a little bit more flexible now too on you know we're going to have a lot more of these situations where employees are going to be requesting working from home, and You know, you want to make sure that your policies are in place so that they know what they're required still to do. And even going through and creating um, performance reviews or just creating documentation showing what the expectations are of those employees while they're working from home is really important because what's happened during COVID is everybody's stability has been shaken or just completely destroyed and so employees as well as employers are looking for some sort of stability some sort of grounding and so putting in place set guidelines and right and like rules and stuff like that within your organization is actually a really important step for those employees to start to feel more normal to start to feel like okay this isn't temporary we need to we don't need to just put up with this for a short term because this is continuing we need to get into a groove where this works really, really well.
0: Yeah. I really like what you just said there. You know, it's interesting. There, there's an audience question here. So, so I'm actually going to ask Yvonne to unmute herself in a second here. Um, But, but it's really interesting that you say that because I look at somebody like my, um, my, my spouse. So I'm an entrepreneur. I work, 24 seven. Anyway, (laughs) like that's just (laughs) my spouse, you know, he, he works his 40 hours. He'll put in overtime during those required times. But after his office moved home, I noticed for the first three months, my spouse was working. Oh, I don't know until seven or eight or nine or 10 o'clock at night, which had never happened before. Right. So there's a lot of extra hours and stuff being put in and it wasn't due to COVID. It was because there's no transition, from your desk to your living room anymore. There's no drive home. There's no walk home. There's no bike home. It's like you take 10 steps. And so it was like a really interesting thing. So, so I think when you kind of talk about this stuff, this concept of like ensuring that your employees are okay, getting into the groove, this is going to need to be one of the the uh, indications of like, how do you actually step away from your desk when you're at home? And how do you keep yourself motivated too? Cause some staff are probably really struggling with that
1: you know. <laughs> yeah. And I totally understand that. Cause I always used to say that I'm an introvert, but when COVID hit, I was like, okay, but I don't want to be forced to be an introvert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Tell me about it.
1: Um, stop ruining my socialization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you just naturally get so much of it at the office mm-hmm. that, you know, I started getting, and I think a lot of people started getting like the video conference fatigue where every call became a video call and so, you know, I, especially oh, in the month of April, I, it was like, for me, 8am to 5pm was all video calls. And then I got done all these video calls. I was like, okay, now I have to start work. And yeah. so then you end up working for hours and hours after that. And one day turns into the next. And, you know, I can't, I had countless days where I was just like, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, because we bill our time It's like, well, I didn't get my time in yesterday, because yesterday became too today too quickly <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah so it's, amazing. And
0: it's like so much of it was um uh crisis management so I'm gonna ask Yvonne to unmute herself if she can and she's gonna ask a question Jen if you didn't know Yvonne is actually my mom
2: oh okay hi can you hi. hear yes. me I can yep. hear you okay. okay good I'm um Uh, Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. I I just have a question in regards to um, businesses that were deemed essential. Um, We're not medical um, designated, but we are a janitorial sanitation supply company, a wholesale distributor. Um, We've been around for 23 years, and we have had to work through this entire fiasco. We knew in January that we were going to be hit with something because we started getting calls from the West Coast uh, communities out there asking for masks and sanitizers. And and, um, we were sold out of N95 masks by the end of January. And we started hearing in the news at that time that we were going to get, that something was coming. And, We didn't know the impact that it was going to have when everybody else shut their doors, we closed our doors to the public. But at that point we generally field about 50, 30 to 50 phone calls a day and probably between five and 10 walk-ins a day with a regular distribution route, uh, five days a week within a two and a half hour radius of where we are located. And we went from, 30 to 50 calls a day to 200 to 300 calls a day. Our um, our business went insane. My staff is burnt out. I'm burnt out. Um, we go home at the end of the day and we go, when is this going to stop for us? So as an employer, I look at it and go, what is my obligation to protect my staff from the stress that they have been under for the last nine months, basically, because we've been at this since January. We have, um, it's not just a matter of getting the product to the customer, but finding the products for the customer at this point, because manufacturing is not keeping up. And we get yelled at, and we get cursed out. If we get, people are, are living in fear, and we pay the price for that. So what is my obligation as an employer to my staff that have had
1: to work through all of this. So you do have an obligation as an employer, like I said earlier, yes. to provide a safe workplace for your employees. And that also includes mental health. And right. so, you know, part of that is OH&S requires you to have anti-violence, anti-harassment um, policies in place and guidelines and procedures and things like that. And part of that is right. also protecting your employees from customers and, and you can inform customers that, you know, if they're not going to treat your employees properly in and in, yeah. in a respectful yeah. way, mm-hmm. that you won't deal with them. And that's Yeah, I have you know, uh, tossed
2: two customers to the curb during this. I have said, don't come back. Your your abuse is not
1: tolerated. So, yeah, because you yeah. need to protect your employees and, yeah. you know, yeah. protect from a hostile work environment. And that includes when employees, you know, feel stressed or annoyed or any of those other feelings. And they go after each other and they start to tear each other down instead of trying to help build each other up. And then as an employer, you also need to be making sure, and I know this has been really hard, but making sure that your employees take time off. So you can mandate vacation, uh, provided there's no union agreements or other agreements in place saying that you can't, but requiring your employees to take their statutory vacation time in a year is something you have to do under employment standards. Yes. That's actually and really I did. important. Yeah. Like, even did. if it's a We worked short staffed
2: all summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know,
1: and yeah. like even just little things you can do as an employer to show your appreciation. Like I know our organization sent around like little care packets at the beginning of all this. One of them included like, It was like seeds. It was like tomato seeds or something like that. And a number of people grew tomato plants and then had like, you know, discussions about their tomato plants. And then another thing that was that happened around here was there's a bunch of guys who decided they just weren't going to shave. And so there's a big competition on who could grow the craziest beard and, and stuff like that. And just, you know, doing things within your organization to keep people in touch with each other in a fun way. I know that we also have like morning Zumba on, I think it's Tuesday mornings. If you want to just join in on a webinar, there's somebody who leads Zumba. Uh, it's not my thing, but lots of people seem to love it, but like, you know, 430 karaoke and beers happens virtually now too. And, and just some of those fun things that you can try and incorporate that they don't cost you anything. Everybody show up with your own whatever and just, you know, kind of try and feel a little bit more normal, have some of those joking moments that you don't get when you're virtual, right? So, you know, you pass somebody in the hall and you make a joke and you make a comment and everybody's laughing and and walking away and and you lose that when you're sitting at home feeling isolated and you go through all these calls where you need to stay very professional and then you get off the call and, you know, you haven't really had that pick-me-up, that happy moment or those type of things and and those are so important.
0: Janet, it almost yeah. feels like because you mentioned yeah. the OHNS. Thank you for your question, Yvonne, You mentioned the OHNS. Um, uh, uh, you know, manuals have to talk about harassment, bullying, you know, m- mental health care, and that kind of thing. And it's. I wonder if there's something in that that needs to shift a little bit about like, you, you know, um, you know, duty to accommodate, responsibility, but even just asking the question, like, how are you really doing, right now?
1: Yeah, and I've done that with like lots of the people that I work for and work with and you know, I've had conversations with people where I called them up after, you know, meetings and they've just said, you know, you just something seems off or you are you doing okay? Like are you taking care of yourself? And I know Christopher one of the things that you push quite often which I agree with is self-care. Yeah. You know, and throughout this it's been amazing to see everybody try and help everybody else out and make sure that everybody else is staying whole and staying together. But there's also those moments when you need to check in with yourself and say, okay, I just worked like 20 hours. Like, what am I doing? Like, what did I do for myself today? How am I doing mentally? Am I still, you know, am I still able to do this? Cause you know, a lot of people thought I thought at the beginning of this, that we were going to be out for a shorter period of time than has actually gone by. And, uh, and so it's like, okay, so I can push for this period of time. We'll get through this. Things will be fine. Everything will go back to like normal. Um, But the reality is like, you can't push to the extent that a lot of us are trying to for that period of time without, you know, taking some time off, getting some downtime, making sure you're getting sleep, making sure you're doing, you know, all the things that you need to be doing for yourself. Like that's, that's very important. And that's on the employee, like Mm -hmm. that as much as the employer can do to support that and to provide, you know, different benefits or supports and things like that, the employee's, need to know that that's a requirement too on them. Like everybody yeah, so needs
0: to themselves. we've got five minutes left before we wrap up and then we, we close out the meeting, but we move immediately into our, our Q and A, which is in, you know, 50, 50 it's four fifteen 15 minutes. So, so I'm going to encourage people to stick around for that, but just for this portion of the meeting, Jenna, what, what is it that the employee is responsible for?
1: so the employee under OHS as well also has a requirement to to ensure a safe workplace and work environment um, under the duty to accommodate they have a requirement to be involved in the process um, from the employee perspective like employees have actually been from what i've seen so far um quite reasonable and accepting changes to different parts of their jobs um which has been great like we've seen a lot of contracts renegotiated a lot of you know, new policies put in place and employees becoming part of that process too and voicing their concerns and, and, you know, getting their opinions heard. And I think that that's great.
0: Um, So actually asking, like, what do you need right now? Yeah,
1: just... Uh, and employees actually having input. So lots of, one of the things that we've seen tons of is employers sending out questionnaires mm-hmm. and asking, you know, how are you doing? What, like, what of the benefits have you seen? Like, what are you looking for? What more can we do to support you getting actual input from employees, getting their buy-in, ensuring that, you know, you, you're building a company that where everybody feels supported and Mm -hmm. And more a part of the team as opposed to isolated. I think that was a big issue through a lot of this was a lot of people started to feel a little bit isolated. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, just making sure that everybody is part of the conversation is Mm -hmm. actually a really great way to get employees feeling like they're supported. Thank you so much, Jenna. Guys, I'm,
0: we're going to uh, start to wrap this up here. We're, we're going to move into our Q&A portion. Daryl, I see that you have a question. We're going to get that in the Q&A portion here after we wrap up this portion of our meeting here. Um, uh, Jenna, thank you so much for being here. We're, we're going to have you hang on so that we can open up the door. I'm also going to ask Jenna about, um, you know, some of the fallout. What can we expect Uh, in terms of lawsuits and this kind of thing as we move forward. And then any other sticky labor law uh, questions that you guys might have might be really interesting for us to hear from. I do want to let you know, Kyle will be back next Monday. And our next guest is Tyson Gaylord. He's the host of the Social Social Chameleon Show, which is a podcast. And he will be talking with us about dealing with uh, electronic distraction, so that's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, and I did want to let you know that that um, uh, I believe come o- I think it's November, isn't it, Catherine? We're going to be wrapping up the Monday Mindset meeting. So we did this for a period of time during uh, COVID, and it's going to be transitioning into uh, a podcast that we are going to be launching. It'll be uh, we'll have uh, two uh, two podcasts a week, and it'll be called inspired action for imperfect humans and so it's it's really a bridge from the monday mindset meeting so i think that we think that you're really going to love it and it just allows us to change the format a little bit and and get out to more folks so so jenna if i could just get you to hang on here there's rules about which video i have to play and when (laughs) and i'm going to play that now and then we'll move right into our q a sounds great Wonderful, wonderful! Thank you so much, Catherine. Just for clarification, do I record this portion of the meeting as well? We don't record the Q and A. You don't think so? You know what? I think I will, and then maybe Shane can <laughs> edit it out. I just thought of that right now. I'm like, oh, I'll just record it, and Shane can edit it if that's the case. So, yeah. So, thanks for hanging on, folks. So, really appreciate having you here, um, uh, Jenna. We did have a question, uh, Daryl. Do you want to unmute yourself? Or are you comfortable with that? I'd love to hear you just ask um, uh, your question uh, to Jenna directly.
3: Sure. I'll unmute myself. Thank you. Thanks. um, Thanks, Jenna. It was great information. Um, But I'm curious to to understand how government policies can mess up employees and employers. Like if (laughs) all of a sudden a school shuts down again or something like that where, all of a sudden the productivity just gets in a spiral i, I think everybody's that puts an, a layer of stress on certainly families with kids that they have to take care of their kids yeah. and i'm just using that as one example of
0: no it's of true. a
3: government policies that can immediately affect things and all of a sudden that stress level continues to go up and up like how do you how do you put a policy like that in place when you don't even know what the next policy around the corner is going to be.
1: Um, and that's why what we're doing right now, like with regards to our work from home policies and putting in place stuff like that is just making it as flexible as possible. Cause the other reality and potentially the terrifying other reality is that, you know, COVID-19 hit us this time and two, three, five, whatever years later, we're going to have something else right? Like a lot of individuals are saying, you know, masks will just become part of your first aid kit at home. It's not something that we're going to forget about in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we want to make sure that companies don't just make it through this period of time, that they're adapting so that in the future, we're prepared for stuff. We're more prepared for stuff like this. We've got policies in place and whether it's this or whether, you know, there's any other, Environmental crisis or anything like that that your company is just stronger and moving forward and able to cope with situations like this And you know what having you know We've had a lot of employers want to reopen September 1 and I'm always like oh Maybe let like schools reopen first and we can look at like an October or November return for all of your staff Because we just see it as you know, everybody's gonna get into the office somebody's gonna get sick And then everybody's going to return home and that morale kick might actually be worse than if you wait an extra month or just kind of see what's going to happen. Um, So we're trying to make things more flexible. There's also that home office uh, tax deduction that we're trying to ensure that employees can claim if you do have people working from home. So there's a lot of Um, looking at contracts and policies from that standpoint so they become eligible for that. So there's a number of things you can do to support your employees. I understand productivity can be an issue when people are working from home and some things to think about from that perspective is, you know, is this an employee who has to be online from 8am to 4pm or are there ways that they can do a split shift or are there ways that they can, you know, potentially only work six hours a day during the week, but then they work some time to make that up additionally. So it's being really flexible with people right now. Everybody is kind of going through the same crisis. So, um, it's, it's kind of give and take on both employer and employee sides of it. And, You know I know that uh, Christopher wanted to get into some of the litigation discussions Um, but from what I've seen so far at least um, there hasn't been like it's coming and I know it's coming but there hasn't been the same level of litigation that uh, you would actually expect I think employees do understand and there's a lot of employees who are grateful to continue to have a job because we've seen a ton of job loss particularly in Alberta um, and employers really are doing what they can to keep the employees, you know, going and, and supported. And the government does have the, can- the Canadian emergency wage subsidy. They've announced four new wage, or not wage subsidies, but four new, um, subsidies that are supposed to be passed, um, in some form next week. Uh, So, you know, there is still ongoing support from the governments. I know it's going to start to become reduced, but the way that the current wage subsidy is set up, if you see any reduction in a year-over-year compared to your January-February average, you'll be eligible for some amount of benefit under the SUSE. So that is another thing to look at. Previously, you had to have a 30% drop, and now for periods five to nine, any type of reduction will give you some amount of money, so there are those things to look at as well and see. And we've had a number of employers come to us and say, "Well, you know, we're not doing well, but we're not we're not going to go under at just yet. Like, so we don't know if we're going to claim the suits. We don't know if we're going to go that direction. But in my mind, from my perspective." the SUSE is set up to put you in the best position possible moving forward when all of this ends. So if you're eligible for it, I think you should take it just because that way you can support your business. You can support your staff and be like that much further ahead when we all come out of this and you're going to get taxed on it anyways, as a company. So you might as well take advantage of what, Mm -hmm. of what you can and what you legitimately qualify for. Yeah.
3: What about, um, is there going to be a legal kind of approach to hr when businesses when people are in the office sometimes i'm finding there's such a polarizing difference of how people are viewing everything right now that two people that are could be great employees could have opposite views and you say What do you think about a mask and then boom there could be a fight oh yeah (laughs) like it could just go sideways so quickly yeah yeah. so like i know hr is one thing but what are legal aspects of that and i know putting a policy in place of a non-abusive policy but everybody's still on edge
1: well yeah and there are requirements still on the health side of things under HS OHS requirements for um, you know social distancing and that's they are set up for public spaces but you know requirements for mask wearing where you can't have social distancing a number of the different provinces have put out actual guidelines and what they say is under OHS if you're going to be if you're going to be able to support Um, You know, if you get audited and you have to support their finding of, you know, you've done everything possible to create a safe work environment, you have to hit as many of these points as possible. And some of those are, you know, did you go into social distancing? Did you close off common areas? You know, um, do you have hand sanitizers? How often are you cleaning and stuff like that? So to be able to really fully support Um, an inspection or investigation at your organization you're going to want to make sure that you can hit as many of those boxes as possible so that you don't get found non-compliant with the legislation and so one of the things we do with organizations is we'll actually go in and do a walkthrough and make recommendations and say you know these are the things that you should think about that meeting space currently has this many people in it in actuality when we run our tape measures this is how many people that you're allowed to have in there. And it sounds crazy, but I've had, I've had companies which are public facing. So customers can come into their space. I've had some of them actually shut down um, for a day because they had too many people based on social distancing guidelines. They had too many people in their business. And so they get shut down and the comment is always, well, you know, I've got all my employees here, but we can, we can settle, we can figure this out. And, and uh, the officer who's inspecting says, no, like try again tomorrow. Um so they get shut down for the day, and that costs money, and that's a giant headache. so we want to make sure that all those things at the front end are dealt with and um, you know, I know that OHS has still been busy during this period of time going into organizations and asking to see their policies. So show me your policies that you currently have in place that shows that you meet OHS guidelines. Show me you know who is on your safety committee if you've got over the required number of people working for you who's on your team i have a
0: question about that thank you for your questions daryl great questions so you're very familiar with our office and our staff we're Mm -hmm. four core staff and sometimes we have contractors one or two contractors that come in sometimes as many as three there was this kind of debate amongst a friends group around Mm -hmm. around what um you know around what was uh you know, appropriate for a private office, right? So it, yeah. so for an office of this size, oh policies, inspections, masks. Can you comment on that? Like what is the requirement and, and what are we responsible for? Because I think a lot of the folks on here, you know, are involved in small business in some way
1: so on the government of alberta's website there's actually a really great document that's like uh you know return to work for businesses and it's actually more of a like a manual um on how big it is but it actually goes over that so for like private workplaces what things you have to think about and that's kind of one of my comments to daryl was you know if you get inspected you want to be able to go back to them and say look i've highlighted it these are all the things we were able to do based on the way our our business is set up we did all the things that we were able to do and the other side of that is you know if you ever run into a situation where say one of your employees has a family member who's who has you know immune issues or something like that and they get sick and it gets contracted through the office and then that, and you know, one of their family members gets sick or somebody dies or something like that. You want to protect yourself so that you can say, We did everything possible to prevent that spread. We did everything possible to ensure the safety of our people. So, if something like that does come up, and there have been organizations where individuals have died, unfortunately, um, because they've come into contact with COVID at the workplace, um, you want to be pre- protected from a litigation standpoint as well, where you can go in and say, we did everything possible. There wasn't anything else we could have done, unfortunately, and this was just the situation that happened. If you, you know, decide, well, nobody has to wear masks and social distancing doesn't really do anything, which I mean, it's science, but that's fine. Um, and, you know, take that per perspective and approach it's really hard once you get to a litigation stage to say, well, this isn't our responsibility. Because, you know, you did put them in a situation where they were more at risk. So you run into potential litigation issues and liability issues on that front too, especially since the government and AHS have put out guidelines on what should be done to create a safe workplace and maintain a safe workplace. And
0: you said, Jenna, that that document is on the Government of our Alberta website. We've got a yep. few questions coming in, just where is it? So so if they go to Government of Alberta, covid Return to work. Maybe if they type that and it should come up. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, Jen, I'm going to ask one last question here for the for the group. It's not COVID related, but it is always a big hot topic. I know you weren't <laughs> uh, expecting this. Can you talk about the difference between Um, uh, like what is workplace bullying and what is not workplace bullying? Because I think sometimes people get this confused. It's a very hot topic. I think it's extremely common actually um, as a hot topic. Catherine has posted your information in the chat box. So folks, um, uh, you can reach out to Jenna. She's with KPMG. She is a fierce labor lawyer. She is always my go-to for my clients that come in that are having labor issues. They're always put in touch with. Jenna, so so, Jenna, can you comment on this thing about workplace bullying? Like, what is what isn't? Because I think people get themselves emotionally wrapped up on both sides of that fence. So, so, can you can you help us unpack that in just a couple of minutes?
1: I mean, yes and no. I'll do my best <laughs> in a couple of minutes. You're like how we much we do, time like, do you have? Massive workshops on and things like that. Interesting, yeah. But um, but the reality is, if you're actually just performance managing an employee that's not bullying. You can definitely manage your employee's Um, where it moves more into bullying and harassment is where it can be identified as singling somebody out. Um, Obviously, any type of derogatory comments or comments that violate anything under Alberta human rights um, and that type of thing fall into more the bullying category of repetitive issues. and You know, we've all had those moments where we said something in a tone that, you know, was probably inappropriate or said something we didn't Um, We didn't mean and in those situations as a leader you know go back and apologize for them like I've been in so many discussions and comments and sat in on so many client calls where I've literally witnessed and wanted to push the person so hard to just saying just say I'm sorry just get there just and you can see them like dancing around it and never quite making it to the to the point of having those words come out of their mouth and you're like oh you were so close. But the reality is, like, if, you're, if you want your employees to to, to be accountable, to, to take responsibility for when they mess up, as a leader, you have to do the same thing. It's the same Indeed. thing with kids. If you want to get them to that point where they apologize for things, they have to see you do it. And that is employees as well. They have to see you come back and say, you know... I was really upset. The situation got out of control. I'm sorry for the way that I reacted and, and really just get down to it and, and have those moments where you kind of make up, you know, you, you, everybody gets into stressful situations. You have your work family that you work with so much. You get into fights with your own family, you get into fights with your your work family, but making sure that you come back and mend those relationships is super important, especially as a leader. And you know, that's the title that I like to use for, for anybody who's in any of those C-suite positions is you're a leader. So lead, you know, people are there and they're watching you and they're watching what you're doing and they're taking their cues from you as well. And so I think that's really important. And, and you know, if you have those moments where you slip up, then, you know, it's amazing. I think the power of that,
0: that, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. It's amazing. I I think it's amazing. Uh, you know, when that's applied appropriately, how often that would keep people out
1: of litigation. And it's not the Canadian, I'm sorry for everything. Um, yes, but, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an honest to goodness, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like I had yeah. a moment where I'm human yeah. and yeah. and let's figure out how we get through this and what we do to make this better. And that's right. it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. Thank you so much for
0: being here, Jenna. I'll call you in just a minute to have a quick debrief. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on this Monday Mindset Meeting. So happy to have you here. Looking forward to uh, uh, seeing you on the next one. And uh, that's it from us. I think Kyle just very quickly wraps up the meeting, doesn't he, Catherine? Okay, great. Awesome. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye.